I'm Noah, and you're listening to Product Journey. I, I notice you have some, some awesome Legos behind you, some Star Wars Legos. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, my guilty pleasure in a way. Like if I spend money on things that I don't really need, it's probably Legos. <laughs> well, that's cool. So you do you like like kind of creating your own kind of Legos and stuff, or do you just like create the sets? Yeah, I used to do this a lot as a kid. Like I had a box full of Legos and like building stuff on my own. These days, I'm mostly doing the sets because yeah, it's just fun. Um, and usually, I mean, the the like the bigger sets are so expensive these days that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like yeah like wasting the parts to like just have them in the box is kind of yeah not so nice and um these days yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm basically buying legos as rewards for business goals like if we hit a milestone <laughs> every every I time get you a nice hit a milestone you're like, i'm getting this big <laughs> lego set yep that's basically how it works these days <laughs> hey as long as that's you know it's a that's the motivation see that big lego set in the store you're like oh, i gotta grow the business <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly not your only motivation but it's a nice reward because over the <laughs> yeah. like over the last couple of years i noticed that i'm bad at like celebrating milestones like it's usually you reach uh, the milestone and then you're like yeah okay like but we gotta reach the next milestone like this one doesn't really mean anything so like yeah when we hit like meaningful milestones in a way with MRR or something like that that's usually when I'm okay let's celebrate this by getting getting a nice lego set and like spending a couple of days building it and, and really like celebrating it by taking taking a nice. week to stretch the build out or something like that <laughs> yeah no that's cool so i was i grew up being really into legos um like that was like my favorite toy growing up and Same. uh we always did something that was kind of cool where my parents would build us a lego room they called it and it would be it would be like you know a lot of houses have like an attic space or you know just kind of like some uh, some odd like room that's usually not finished to like the side of a room and so every house we moved into which we moved quite a few times my parent, my dad would build a Lego room and it would be like a short room that like only kids could go into, which was kind of cool. And it'd have like a small little door and then you'd go in and that's where all of our Legos would be. You'd have a Lego table, tons of Legos. And the coolest one was we had like an attic over the garage and it had a secret door where you had to go through my parents, uh, through their closet and you'd have to like move the, the clothes away to reveal the door to the, the Lego room. And it was like the secret room that um, we knew about and our friends didn't know about. And it was, it was just kind of a cool thing growing up, like going into our secret Lego room. Um, so that, yeah, that was fun. Good, good memories growing up. That sounds <laughs> like fun indeed. Yeah. It's like the best of both worlds, like secret hideout yes. and Legos. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, anyways, um, this is just for those listening. This is Benedict on the podcast with me as a guest. He's a co-founder of user lists and, uh, yeah, it should be fun just to kind of chat about kind of what, what, what it's been like for you kind of build to build user lists to this point. Um, so I have some questions around that. So thanks for coming on and, and sharing with us your, your experiences. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I uh, meant to say congratulations uh, to reaching 5k MRR. Last week, I guess. Thank you. 
That's a big yeah, milestone. That like that. you just lost some Lego for that. <laughs> oh yeah, Lego Lego milestone. Yes. Um, yeah, it's been good. And then also, I yeah, I forgot. So you you've been on the, you do the Slow and Steady podcast, which is kind of a similar podcast to Product Journey a little bit. Like, have so I I listened to that a lot actually in the earlier days. I haven't kept up with it as much recently. Are you guys still doing that, the Slow and Steady pod? Yeah, it's still running. I think we recorded episode one hundred fifty seven or something like that last week, um, or actually this oh, week. Oh wow! Yep. Um, um, so it's still going. Um, yeah. Curious why, like, I mean, this is supposed to be a podcast, like your podcast, but I'm now, in- now interested why you stopped listening. And no offense, like, it's fine. I just, um, like, if we did something. Well, so the problem is, I guess, is that, so I'm a big, po- big podcast listener. I like podcasts, right? And, you know, you can only listen to so many podcasts. And True. I think I have probably around uh, 10 different ones that I listen to. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and I don't usually add a new one to the list too often, but every once in a while, like a new one will come on and, and that I find or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I really like this one. And sometimes when that happens, one of the other podcasts Has gets to pushed go. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I already listened to like probably half of the podcasts I listen to are similar kind of bootcamp or, or kind of podcasts, like the bootstrapping kind of founders talking kind of podcasts. Um, so those are like half of mine. Um, and so I think I got to the point where I just maybe had too many of those and I had some other kind of ones I wanted to listen to. And I don't know, I'm sorry. It just, it just kind of happened. Yeah. It's it, no, no, no problem. Like no hard feelings whatsoever. It's just curious. Of, like, I mean, we had some changes over the, over the, I mean, it's been running for f- four years now, something like that. So there have been some changes. So, um, Brian, my initial co-host, uh, kind of stepped away and now i'm doing this with my oh new he's not there anymore uh, benedicta yeah so um oh, i did not know that yeah so it's, it, like there, there were some changes and maybe like at some point it became less interesting or um the story is not relatable anymore i mean there could be a million reasons so i was just curious mm-hmm. it is really hard with uh podcasts just in general to like know like how many people are actually listening um, cause you get like the number of downloads, but like, I know a lot of the podcast apps just like automatically download episodes, but it's, it doesn't mean anyone actually listened to it. It's just like a download yeah, just right. sitting on someone's phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> and it, it's also really hard to know like retention, right? Like how long did people actually listen to the podcasts? Um, like you don't have any of those analytics in podcasting, which makes it a little, a little tricky. You yeah, know. yeah. Sometimes I wish we had those, but then again, if we had those, I'd be like super concerned about like I don't know. Then do you feel like you have to listen to every single episode because otherwise, like whoever's doing it might get upset or whatever. <laughs> so maybe it's good that we don't yeah. get like analytics down to the minute or something like that because then you know, like yeah, it like I think it allows you as the host, you know, creating the podcast to kind of just like not care about that. You just kind of just do it. And even if maybe by the end, maybe there's hardly anyone listening, it's just like, Oh, I don't know. Like I'm just doing it. (laughs) And it, it, you know, at least for me, like we've been, I've been doing the podcast kind of for other reasons. Um, just mainly because just, you know, it's fun to have good conversations with people. And, um, 
if you know that can be good enough reason just to keep doing it um where if you kind of get into like the analytics and oh i got to get all these listens and i got to be growing it like it can kind of bog you down especially when you know we have other stuff going on like you have the business to run yeah um so yeah i think in some ways it kind of helps the motivation come from something else i agree yeah the numbers are definitely not a driver (laughs) of why we're doing this because otherwise we should probably stop (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yep. Yeah, the motivator can't just be to get Legos at the end. <laughs> Lego sets. True. Um, so let's see, you guys have been doing user list for quite a while as well, right? Four years maybe? Or yeah, how long has user list been going on? Yeah, we started um we 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 started with a like co founder agreement and I think we signed it early October twenty seventeen. So it's been a little bit over five years oh, now, wow. and we launched um, in, wow. I think it was August 2019. Yeah, it was 2019. So, yeah, three years public and five years total, something like that. It's been a while. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is a while. And so I've, I've never used UserList myself, um, but from what I understand, it kind of allows you to kind of track uh, user events like within the product and then i think you can then do a lot of like email like marketing kind of automation kind of stuff is that right can you can you uh fill in maybe what i'm missing with kind of what userless does yeah so userless is a email marketing tool for SaaS applications specifically and we are very data driven so a lot of the the stuff that makes useless great is that we have a really nice data model um, so you can track users, you can track companies. So if you like team-based uh, SaaS app, you can track like the company separate from the users, and then you can track the relationships between users and the, the, the teams or companies they are on, uh, track custom events on both users and companies. Um, and yeah, overall, it's pretty granular in what you can store and what you can track, and that allows for some powerful automations that a lot of the other tools don't allow you to do or you have a hard time setting it up there because it just doesn't reflect that b2b SaaS uh, data model that that nicely i guess okay cool yeah um thanks for giving us the background for that so i'm curious like um in the early days like what were some of the roadblocks or just just things that you guys kind of ran into as you were trying to build a business and, and kind of get started yeah, I think we underestimated a lot of things when we started out. And maybe it's a good thing because maybe if we had underestimated those, we'd never started it. Um, but I remember like when we did the, you know, when we had the initial conversations about like what's the plan for this and how fast do we want to grow this and where do we see ourselves in the next year, five years, ten years, something like that. We were way off. Like we didn't grow nearly mm. fast uh, as fast as we anticipated. It took way longer to build than we anticipated. It was overall a lot more complicated than we anticipated. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that was was like the first roadblock that we started this um, with three co-founders. So me and um, Jane, my co-founder, still with us, and uh, Claire, who was our marketing co-founder, um, and in the early days, we were all doing this on the side. So um, mm. that, that I guess that's one reason why this took way longer because we were all doing consulting projects. Um, 
and yeah, trying to earn money using that and um, then building the product on the side and especially development in the early days, getting from zero to something that can at least somewhat live up to the expectations uh, took a long while and it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. And, and obviously, as you being kind of the tech co-founder, did you feel like there was a lot of pressure on you to like, okay, I got to make this like product work. Did it, did it ever feel like everyone else was kind of waiting on you to like get it going? <laughs> it, uh, it basically always feels that way to this day because <laughs> <laughs> product development is never fast enough. It, at least that's what it feels like. I mean, what was nice in the early days that um, we started doing marketing and related activities basically from day one, like before we even had a product, we did pre-sales, we did a lot of customer interviews or like interviews with potential customers because there wasn't anything to sell them at this point. So like Claire and Jane were busy, busy as well. It's not like I was the only one working on stuff. Um, but yeah, in mm -hmm. the end it took, yeah, almost two years until we were able to launch something. Um, we had a, like a closed beta before that, but I guess from initial idea to getting a first customer to use it, it was also more than a year uh, before we had the product mm, in a wow. in a yeah in a form that was okay to let people use it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that that is quite a while. I can I can see that uh that feeling like there's pressure to like get it get it done i i'm curious about that uh you know just the co-founder thing because so i'm a solo founder and i have you know i've started some things in the past with a, a co-founder before um but i don't know I, I like being up to this point i've liked being solo just because i like i don't know i guess i like control like i like getting to like do all parts of the business um you know the the marketing side of things as well and like kind of trying to learn all the stuff like I like to learn. So it's kind of fun to get, get my hands on all parts of it. Um, but I, you know, I have, when I did have co-founders, like I definitely felt that pressure as being like the, the technical co-founder of like feeling like everything was kind of waiting on me um, of like, okay, I got to build this product. And I think also it's, it's maybe a problem of, I think when whatever work we do as probably in general, like we always kind of see our work as like maybe more important or, or the bigger thing. Maybe it's, it's kind of like a selfish problem potentially, but like kind of seeing like, Oh, what I have to do is important. And everyone is kind of waiting on me where, you know, the other founders might even think the same thing. Like, you know, this marketing stuff is like nothing happens if, if you don't get any sales. Right. So then it's, yeah. it's kind of maybe on both sides, but just feeling that pressure of like, all right, I gotta make this work. Um, so yeah, just, I don't know if you've felt that before, um, like tensions in between the the, the co-founders, um, just with the different things you have to do. Yeah, like it's it's not been a smooth ride all like for the entire time. Like we had some rough patches, and um, at some point, Claire, our initial marketing co-founder, decided to drop out. Not because like we had a bad relationship or anything, because mostly because like a year in there still wasn't a product there. there. It wasn't making any money and she had like two other things or even three other things on the side. Like um, mm. at some point she had to decide like, what do I spend my time on and where do I spend my energy on? And then obviously the thing that wasn't making money was the thing that had to go. <laughs> so um, yeah. that that's just how it is, I guess. And then um, 
yeah, like for the most part, things are fine, but we had some disagreements here and there and like some rough patches mm -hmm. where things weren't quite working as, as we wanted them to, where, where things were a little bit more stressful and that I'm glad we, we, we made it through that, that phase, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. Cause like five, five years is a long time. And especially if you're saying like, it took a while to like making the first money, what, what kept you and Jane like working on it and keeping it going? Even if like, you know, there's times where the business wasn't making money, it wasn't growing as fast as you wanted, like expectations weren't up to par, I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess one part that kept us going was just having having a co-founder or the co-founders and having someone else who was kind of relying on you. And that, that works both ways. Um, mm -hmm. I guess when there's someone else involved, you don't give up that easily <laughs> because you don't want to let yeah, the other person down. Um, and if it's just yourself, I guess it's easier to just be like, okay, yeah, this didn't work. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, but as we were multiple people involved that I'm not saying it never came up, but it wasn't that easy of a decision. And so we kept, just kept going, I guess. <laughs> so you did have times where like sat with Jane, like, Hey, should we uh, keep doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like um, it, it's come up a couple of times, especially in the early days. And I feel like the hardest part with like building a SaaS is that phase. And that might be where, where you're currently in or just been in. It's like where it's, where it's kind of working, but also not working super great. <laughs> so where it's like mm, too yeah. good to shut down, but not like not going well enough to justify spending a lot of time and energy on it that i feel like that's the hardest phase to to yeah. work through and looking back a lot of it was just like heads down keeping going keep going and like yeah force force your way through it in a way <laughs> slow slow and steady slow and steady yeah yeah <laughs> yeah things are not always black and white like when you think about like a business, you kind of think, Oh, I'll do this test. I'll, I'll try out this thing. And then I'll know like, Oh, it didn't work or it did work. <clears throat> and like you're saying, yeah, it's like, typically it's like gray. It's like, uh, kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Something's here, but I don't know. And you kind of keep trying it and you still don't know. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. That is kind of a tricky time because then it, it doesn't allow you to make you don't feel as confident about your decisions when that's what you have, uh, when that's like your results is like this unknown kind of thing. And um, then you're like, okay, well now what do I do with this? Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, definitely kind of tricky. Um, well, so have you guys made it out of, you feel like you, you're definitely made out of some of those kind of hard times? Like is, is growth good? Like you, are you guys feeling good about where you're at with things now? Yeah, we feel good where we are right now. Um, sure. Like, in the end, it's never growing fast enough. It's never going, product development is never going fast enough. Marketing is never going fast enough. Um, so that's, I guess that's always true. Um, but overall, things feel a lot calmer these days than they were feeling like maybe two years ago. Um, and a lot of it has to do with like just having more revenue to spend on things and, um, uh, 
not being in that weird phase where it's like you can't really live of it, but you kind of have to still work on it and and, and that part. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Since we made it out of that, it's a lot nicer. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And uh, so, what what does your like day to day look like nowadays? Just like a normal a normal day or a normal week. Um, now that you know you're five years into the the business. Yeah. So. Um... I don't know, like I don't have like a fixed structure in my day other than like wake up, eat breakfast, get to work and then like the boring structure, I guess. Um, the, the the more interesting stuff is how our weeks are, are organized. And um, these days, it's usually Monday is mostly for planning. Um, so I have a call with my co-founder to discuss like overall business strategy and things that came up. Uh, I have a call with our front-end developer that we hired almost a year ago um just to plan like what he, he'll be working on this week um and then tuesdays are is usually for calls like we do the podcast recording on tuesdays masterminds are on tuesdays so basically tuesdays is the day where you know you're not getting anything done on the product um at least mm, most of yeah. the times but um just cramming everything into tuesday keeps the the rest of the week free for the most part to be productive and like heads down and get some focused work time in. And that's usually what, mm. what's happening on Wednesday to Friday is where the majority of product work uh, actually happens. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, that seems like a good strategy. Uh, how, how big is the team now? Uh, we're a team of six, including the co-founders, but um, only three of us are full time on it right now. Okay. Got it. So you, so you're you're kind of you're started to move maybe into a little bit more of a management manager kind of role, but it's not like a huge huge thing for you yet. I'm guessing since the, the yeah. team is only six. Um, I basically only manage our front end developer, and um, we try to keep things pretty loose. So um, unless something comes up, that one call on Monday is the only call we do in terms of like checking in and and um, planning. Um, everything else is kind of unstructured in a way. So once we agreed what uh -huh. he's, he's going to work on, he's usually just working on that for the rest of the week, unless something comes up and we need to discuss a solution or debug a problem, then yeah, we do a call here or there, but uh, for the most part, he, he's working by himself and is free to work whatever time he wants and how he wants basically. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. That flexibility is nice. Um, you know, as you're, have you been, as you've been kind of a co-founder of this business and it's changed over time, your role has probably changed. Like, are, have you been, how has that been of like changing from just like kind of doing all your own with your co-founders to overseeing some people and maybe even the future potentially overseeing more people? Like, are you, are you good with those changes of like management, like doing more management kind of stuff? I'm still in the learning phase there. So it's definitely a new thing for me because I haven't been a manager before, especially not on my own stuff. And yeah, it's a learning experience. I still, yeah, try to do a good job and um, hopefully I do. <laughs> uh, but I'm still, I still enjoy working on the product quite a bit. So it's not like I'm only doing management these days. It's, I'm still spending a lot of time in the code, I guess. Okay. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, I've noticed for myself that I kind of, <clears throat> and I, I don't know if this is normal or this is similar for you, but like I, I kind of like, I, I think the main thing is I like learning stuff. I like learning new things. And so if I do the same thing for a couple of years, like for a while, like I start to kind of get bored of doing that. I don't want to like, I kind of want to take on a new challenge. And so like right now I've been like a solo entrepreneur for a little while now which I've really enjoyed, like the, the amount of freedom and things you get to do is really, is really nice. Um, but I kind of am starting to feel like, Hmm, what, like, just kind of curious, like, what would it be like to like actually like work with somebody else or have a team or even like potentially manage some people someday. And I almost feel like the only reason I want to do that is just like to learn something new and have like a, a challenge or something of like doing something new. Have, have you, is that similar to like how you feel about it? Or are you more like, I just kind of want to do the same thing um, and no, just comfortable with that? Yeah, this definitely plays into it. Like just growing a team or getting a team is a new, exciting learning experience. That's for sure. Like, um, yeah, I'm basically still trying to figure out how, how to do this. And I mean, it's an easy mode with just like one team, like one direct report of sorts. Um but yeah, like just like growing the company and growing the company with a team is a new learning experience for both of us. So um, it's exciting in a way. And it's, uh, yeah, nice to explore that and nice to try to do a good job because in the end, we want to build a good culture and a good like environment for people to work in. And um, yeah, that, like just doing that is... is uh, is a nice learning experience. Yeah. Well, at least it seems like you kind of get to do it at your own pace a little bit too, like, like as a bootstrap or I think you guys raised some money, but you know, mostly kind of bootstrapped company where you're kind of growing slowly. It's not, and you can kind of grow slowly uh, with a team instead of like, I don't know, like a startup where it's like, you're just hiring like tens of, you know, tons of people all at once and having to like figure out these stuff, all this stuff, like super quickly. Like that sounds I think that would be kind of hectic and uh, stressful. So at least you kind of get to be in control of it and and do it at your own at at the pace that makes sense. Yes, for, totally, for totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so another interesting thing I saw, <clears throat> I think it's like how how have you guys gotten used to like the growth, like your goals of like how fast you should be growing at this point? I saw some statistics. Um, on Twitter, someone was sharing like the normal amounts of percentage per growth per month. And it was, it was actually a lot lower than I thought. Cause you know, you see people on, on Twitter, like sharing like these growth metrics of like, wow, my business is like, you know, it's a rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the average apparently is, you know, for small businesses like mine is around like 4% growth per month. Um, and then once you get past like 10 K MRR a month, um, it kind of goes into like three to two percent, and then anything like above is like two percent growth per month. And this is this is data just for like SaaS companies, which I thought was really interesting because, like in my mind, I was thinking like, oh, tech companies like grow, you know, faster than that. And then some of the a lot of times the examples you see are like the the super successful businesses or whatever where they're growing way faster than that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, just kind of like curious, like like how like your goals of like how you guys dialed in on like how fast you want to grow and um 
curious like what that looked like um as i said like it's never growing fast enough and you're always looking at those examples and are like okay we're definitely growing way too slow um but i guess mm-hmm. in the end the important metric is like burn rate money in the bank and where your break-even point is is that before or after you run out of money and as long as you make it <laughs> as long as like, you you make that break-even point before you don't have any money in the bank account i guess it's okay <laughs> and mm, yeah. um, at least that's how we see it and um if you manage to like get there earlier or, or can predict that you're getting there earlier you can you can start spending more i guess but um yeah so far one thing i learned over the last couple of years is that no matter what goal you set for yourself in terms of revenue or whatever the goalposts are always moving. Like the closer you get to that mm. goal, you said like maybe a year ago or so, uh, the more you realize that this isn't a goal. Like the actual goal is somewhere else <laughs> further ahead. Um, yeah. So it's like you never you're never satisfied, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought about that because you know I've seen that in my own life and stuff, and I kind of at first I thought that that was really unhealthy to like. Basically, you know, it could just mean that we're like not content with things where it's like, hey, we said this was the goal and we actually got there. But then when we got there, we still were like not content with it or just like thought we should be now farther. Right. And I think, you know, I think there can be a problem with that in some ways where it's like if we're not content, you know, you know, you don't want to just not be content with life and just like always like nothing's good enough, never, never satisfied but I think, I guess I've come around a little bit to, I guess, kind of the, the point is to kind of always just continuously growing throughout life and learning and figuring out new things. And so in some ways, like that means the goalposts does kind of keep getting bigger um, and going farther, um, just because that's what pushes us to kind of keep being motivated um, to keep just growing and doing better in life. Um I don't know. So I've, I've kind of switched my thinking on that a little bit with that, but obviously like you still need a, you need a, a good balance, I guess. Like you still need to be content with things, but then like you're usually always searching and pushing for something else, I think. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like that's, that's exactly the, the key, like being content and um, like, if you at the start, if you told me like you'll be doing like 10k MRR by that time or whatever, I'd be hell yes, we made it. Um, but unfortunately, we tend to forget that the surroundings change and like the amount of work you have to put in, the responsibilities you put in and uh, you have, and like all of that changes as your company grows. Like you get more customer support, you have more people to support. Um, maybe like just traffic on your website increases suddenly you have problems that you didn't really think about in the early days um and that's like one thing that keeps shifting the goalposts for us in terms of milestones we need to reach to keep the business afloat is just like hiring people and then you, you sure you could argue well then don't hire someone but um at some point like you kind of need to help or want to help because otherwise it's not it's not healthy and it's not sustainable anymore um so as your company grows the challenges grow and in order to not burn out you have to figure out solutions and um hiring might be one of them so Mm -hmm. 
just getting like in the early days sounds always sounds like you get those 10k mrr and that's like 90 percent profit and you don't have any other problems and sure that sounds nice like i'd be happy with that but the reality is mm -hmm. you get to that milestone and whatever that number might be and suddenly things are a lot different than you anticipated and uh, you've got possibly you've got more problems on your hand than you thought you'd have yeah that makes sense yeah it's like it's not as simple as we think it would be and then it's like oh we need help you know which you know is hiring people like typically costs money in some form to get help yes <laughs> and then it's like okay now i need now i need the business to make even more money it's like this this treadmill yeah exactly going. and sure like i mean if you it probably depends on what type of business you're building and uh, a lot of other factors. Like, But this has definitely been true for us that, um, that just inherent complexity of the product at some point required us to get some help because we, we would have been super burned out by now and we've been close to being burned out in the, in the entire mm -hmm. process. So um, yeah, I guess that's the reality of it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what's what's like the, maybe it's the next milestone, next thing that you're looking to before you get that next big Lego set? Like what's what's like the next goal over the horizon that you're like pushing towards right now? Um, for us, it's actually the break even. Um, as you said, we raised some money um, and like we, we joined Tiny Seed in 2020 and then 20. 21 we uh, raised another pre-seed round from a couple of angel investors and there was like the tiny seed money was mostly to be able to go full-time and just like get the product in a better shape um but uh, the money we raised last year was mostly to hire some help because after one year of being full-time and like grinding um yeah. we noticed that it was time for us to get some help and like to not be the only two people working on this. Um, so right now we are still burning money and the uh, big Lego, that the next Lego milestone is uh, being profitable or at least, um, I don't know, moving moving the, the zero cash day further out, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's, that's, that's definitely a good goal to try to, to get to. Um, and then how about like for yourself, like say like in 10 years from now, like where do you see your, like yourself? Like, what do you want to be doing? Like, do you want to still be like building businesses or do you want to like, I don't know, like move into maybe more of a, uh, I don't know, just like maybe it's like early retirement or simple, like more simple life or I don't know, like where, where do you see yourself in 10 years? That's a tough question. I've got no idea. Like. Since the pandemic, I <laughs> have problem planning for longer than a month or so. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. For the most part, I feel like I will always be building things um, that might be just like software in general or, or businesses. Um, so I'm pretty sure I'll be doing this in 10 years. It would still be user list. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I've thought about this some too, because there's there's kind of like this whole movement. I don't I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called uh, the fire movement. 
it's like financial independence, retire early. And it's like this whole like group and community of people that like basically want to like figure out how to retire as early as possible, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is kind of an interesting idea. Um, it's also interesting that like we live in a, a world nowadays where people can kind of do that. Like there's like people apparently that are like retiring at like 33, 35, you know, and then it's like, okay, then what? Um, so yeah, I was thinking about that and just like, I don't think, I don't think like I actually, actually want to retire that early. Like, I don't think that would be fun. Like, I think we always want to like, like you said, like we're builders, creators, we want to create stuff. So even, I guess what it'd be nice to do is get to a financial place where you can be like very, have like a lot of freedom and like kind of choosing what you want to do. But I think like, we're still going to want to like actually create something and like build something. Um, Cause otherwise I think life would get kind of boring. Like, yeah, you know, I, I don't agree. think we just actually want to like sit on the beach and like just chill all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, exactly. yeah, I guess similar I, to what you're saying. Yeah, like retiring at, yeah. I mean, 31 isn't an option anymore for me, but like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm already past that. <laughs> already past that. But um, yeah, it just doesn't sound super exciting to retire and not work anymore because in the end, I enjoy working. I mean, I don't enjoy everything I, I have to do, but for the most part, it's still fun. Like, as you said, like creating things, building things. And sure, like in a way, I guess my goal is to be, um, yeah, like wealthy enough or whatever to to be able to pick what I spend my time on and not have not being forced to to spend my time on something in particular. But yeah. if I'm honest with myself, we're kind of already there these days. I mean, sure, this might still mm -hmm. go up in flames anytime soon, but. Um, being like self-employed or like working on, their own, on our own product, we kind of make the rules already. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. I, I think about that because I feel really blessed to be able to get to do what I'm doing. And I'll, I'll just like in the middle of the day, just like, oh, just, you know, I feel like going on a bike ride. Let's just go outside. I go on a bike ride, go around. Or like my, my kids will like come up because I work at home and they'll just like give me a snack or something. And it's just like, this is pretty cool. This is like, you know, this, this is pretty much what I would, yeah, this is what I would want to be doing. Like this isn't, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more freedom in building your own thing and, and kind of owning your own business and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it's sometimes I have to remember that though. It's like, okay, yeah. this, this is what I want to be doing. And this is, this is pretty awesome. Like this isn't normal. I think we can kind of get used to like, yes. oh, this is like, this is just what everyone gets to do. But, you know, if you talk to some friends or some people that have normal jobs, like you, you do have a lot more freedom and, and just like not taking that for granted. Um, so yeah, it, it is pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, totally. All right. Uh, well, Benedict, thanks for coming on the product journey. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for chatting kind of sharing your experience and, uh, I'll, I'll leave some, links to some of the stuff you're doing in the show notes so people can find that info there uh but yeah thanks thanks so much for having being on here yeah thanks again for having me and this was a fun conversation i enjoyed it very much